Well, it's good to be with you this morning. What an awesome uh, praise team. Amen? They're just awesome. I mean, good heavens. Just you are, uh, I, I'm uh, working with a little church that doesn't have uh, any instruments. Uh, they, have, uh, they have gotten so small, they just don't have any instruments at all. And so they sing a cappella, and it's not very many of them. So it really feels good to hear all the music come together this morning. This morning, I'm going to be bringing a message that... Um, when Mike asked me to speak, I started thinking about what would be good to preach and bring what kind of message to bring to you. And it was on making choices. And so I started taking some notes and stuff. And I don't know if you know this, but most of the time what happens, uh, if you're asked to speak someplace as a guest speaker, you bring out your candy stick sermon that you have preached 47 other times. And so you bring it out. And I've done that too. Uh, this isn't one of them. though. So anyway, I started making some notes. And so then as I was praying about it, I'm thinking, okay, so is this? And I told Wanda, I said, I, I, said, uh, I, I got a new message. I said, I've never been preached to anybody. I feel like this is what I'm supposed to preach at Micah's church. And Wanda goes, <clears throat> maybe his church needs it. Maybe you need it. And so that might be true. And so this morning as I preach this message about making decisions, if nobody here gets it, you know what? It was for me. And that's okay, you know. But I hope, that, I hope you walk away with something this morning as we talk about decisions. This morning as I preach about the making decisions, and the title of the message is The Domino Effect of Decision Making, How One Choice Leads to Another. And I want you to think for a moment, both good decisions and bad decisions, because we want to add both of those. But as you think about decision making, think about a bad decision or a good decision that you've made, and think about what God did with that decision. Because it doesn't even matter that you made a bad decision, God sometimes will use that bad decision in your life and make something good out of it way down the road in those cases. But so what I want to focus on as we look at some of these decisions, I'm going to show you four principles for decision-making. Then I want to give you an example of six places in Scripture where you see somebody make a bad decision. And I'm going to show you a, a biblical character that made that bad decision and, what, and talk about that for a moment. Uh, since decision-making is something we do all the time, I read in Psychology Today just, uh, just last week that we make about 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000. 2,000 every minute. And what that means is, I, you know, I'm thinking, okay, what kind of decisions could that be? Now, obviously, some of them are, are kind of nothing decisions. You know what I'm talking about. Whether you were eating cereal this morning or having pancakes, you know, that was not a big, big deal decision for you possibly this morning. Well, maybe it was, you know. Uh, I had to have pancakes, you know, so maybe it was. But what happens to us a lot of times is we make these decisions, and a lot of times we don't think about the repercussion or we don't think about how it could impact anybody else. And a lot of times, that's exactly what Satan plays with as well. So I want you to see a couple of things this morning. Now, I want you to think about those decisions. And if you have made some bad decisions, like we all have, we have all made some bad decisions, those decisions sometimes God will use in his, in his sovereignty and in supernaturally, and he will actually turn some things around in our life to impact us. Some of these decisions that we make a lot of times might be uh, choices of behavior, making a choice to do or not do something. For an example, to change jobs, to relocate to another, uh, another place. Uh, when I pastored full-time, one of the things that always bothered me was that full-time pastors would get a call from another church. And if you're not familiar with how this works, they normally will send a pulpit committee. The pulpit committee will hear the pastor. It's kind of a clumsy kind of Sunday that, that when they show up, if you've ever been in that setting. And they hear the pastor, and then they talk to the pastor, and they will talk to the pastor about the church and what the salary package is and the whole deal, and they get them to come and pe preach in view of a call. And one of the things that dynamics that I thought was always interesting is that it seemed to me that God always seemed to move you to a bigger church with more money. Sounds like corporate America, doesn't it? And I said, what's the odds that God and corporate America work the exact same way? And it just bothered me. 
what am I, what's my point? My point is I don't believe God works like corporate America. I don't believe God is always going to give you a church of 50 and automatically raise you to another church of 150 and give you more salary. I don't think that's always God's will. It is God's will sometimes, obviously. But what's the possibility of taking you from a church of 500 down to a church of 100? Could God not have that as his will? Of course he could. But you didn't see that. So some of these pastors, I think, were making decisions. Not trying to be condemning, but it comes pretty easy for us at times. I think they were making decisions based on finances sometimes. And they were going to have to live with that, that decision. And that, that might not have been the best decision for them. So as we think about decisions, looking at choices of behavior, uh, have you ever acted out due to anger or emotion? Have you ever acted out due to uh, wanting to impress somebody else? Uh, anger and emotion is easy to see, isn't it? Look at Facebook. Have you noticed how many crazies there are on Facebook busting off somebody's uh, rearview mirror or pounding on their car or all this stuff? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these are this is like going to a family reunion. They are crazy. I mean, it's just weird, you know? And you see all that stupid stuff on there. The other side of that, beside choices of behavior, choices of the mind. What do we think about? Thinking about things of the past that you can do nothing about. A lot of times we've all come from maybe some kind of dysfunction and and one of the things I always say is look up dysfunction and my family photo it, with all my family is in there. I mean, it is so dysfunctional. Uh, my uncle served time for running moonshine, so we are proud of our heritage, you know. So, uh, so you look at some of these things and you think, oh my gosh, how, how twisted can our family be with all of these things? And here's the thing, God knows all of that about all of us. And God uses all of that as a testimony. God uses all of that when we get saved in a very powerful way. I came out of a drug culture as a young man dealing drugs and muling drugs for two large drug dealers and then got saved at 19 years old. And the first thing I did was go back to witness to these two large drug dealers and tell them I had become a Christian. And so I wasn't sure how that was going to go because I still had a lot of drugs I still, uh, that, was, uh, that I had on me and it, I wasn't sure how that was going to go. And yet God used that to begin uh, sharing the gospel with other people. And so sometimes our thinking will be in our mind like that. And this is an area that Satan a lot of times will attack us and cause us to think about things that maybe happened years ago, but he does that just to haunt us and to break us down and to do these things. And sometimes we think about things that are sensual or things that are not biblical. And we sometimes, if we're not careful, our life can mirror the life of a lost person in so many different ways. And so I'm not standing up here as somebody saying, hey, you know what, I've made all the right decisions, because I have not made all the right decisions, and I'm grateful for God's grace and mercy, just like you are, okay? And so, but the thing is, is that as I get older, I think I make decisions a little bit different. And I told all our kids that I, was, I didn't feel like I was a good dad. I made decisions out of anger. I made decisions out of frustration. And I don't think I was a good dad. I'm, I'm pretty awesome grandpa, though. I'm, I'm much better at this stage, you know. But the point I'm getting at is that when you go back and you evaluate some of this, you'll make decisions a little differently as you get a little bit more maturity. So I lay that down as our introduction, okay? So let me give you four principles about making decisions. So principle number one, as you see, if you have a handout, number one, Paul emphasizes the value of making a decision, making a choice. Your choices can have a powerful effect on you, but everybody around you. Your choice. You made a choice this morning to be here in this service, and so you know what? God will use this service to speak to you about maybe something in your life. People made a choice this morning not to be at church this morning, so they, did, they missed that connection. Think about how many things have come across because of a choice you made, and if you had not made that choice, you would not, not have run across or met that person. How many of you are married this morning? Can I see your hands? We'll pray for you all in a moment. So if you're married this morning, think about the goofiness of how y'all met. 
that little decision that was made that put you at a place and put her at a place and you came across and you ended up meeting each other. If you had made different choices, you wouldn't have met her or you wouldn't have met him. And so those little things that you think, man, it wasn't really a big deal, turns out to be, guess what? It influenced your whole family, influenced your whole life. That one choice has a total ripple effect of everything else, okay? So when we look at this, we can do that in a positive way. And Paul emphasizes the value of making a choice in Romans chapter 6. And here's what he said, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but, are, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Now Paul is speaking very specifically here about sin, and he's talking about, in other words, your body, use it for God's purposes, okay? Notice a couple of things that he talks about here. This is actually, he presents sin, he presents the duality of man being a sinful side and a spiritual side. And I'll watch your videos, or I'll watch online from time to time, and I know Micah has talked to you about the two dogs inside. We'll have two dogs. And so which dog is the dog that's the strongest? Whichever one we feed the most. So I know that he has presented that. And you and I both know that. If we're feeding the spiritual side, the spiritual side is stronger. If we're feeding the fleshly side, the fleshly side is stronger. And so we battle that constantly all the time. So Paul presents that. He also presents sin as a king, and then you pick up on that in this verse, and so he said sin was like a king, he gave a, uh, made it like a person, and they reign, they're a tyrant, and that's what he's showing you, is that sin can be a tyrant. In this verse, he uses the word instrument, it comes from the Greek word hoplon, which means a tool or a weapon, and notice what Paul said about this. He said, do not present yourselves, your members, to sin as instruments. Do not make yourself a tool or a weapon of sin. And, of course, how did you make that? How did you make yourself a tool as, or an instrument of sin? You made it by making a choice about what you were getting ready to do or not do. Satan loves to tempt us, but we get the final say. We say yes or no. He tempts, we say yes or no. And so when, the, when he presents this, he, he says that is a tool or a weapon. He also uses the, uh, the term mortal in that passage. And in the Greek, it means the, the mortal there focuses on where sin takes over the organ, and death is carried out against that organ. Now, the important thing about this I thought was interesting is that as somebody who came from a very sinful background, sin always takes over everything in your life. See, you let it in just a little bit. We, I let it in just a little bit. And then within a few days, it takes over a little bit more. And then a few more days, it takes over a little bit more. The amount of sin that, that brought pleasure in the beginning doesn't bring pleasure a few days later or a few weeks later. And the amount of sin that brings pleasure then doesn't bring pleasure a few months later. What is sin doing? Satan and sin are trying to take over every aspect of your life. They are trying to consume you into that sin. And why? Because Satan's goal is to kill, maim, destroy. Why? Especially as a Christian. And so Paul was talking about this. And so he, in this passage, he was looking at choices that affect our Christian testimony. Choices that affect our Christian fellowship. And it does, doesn't it? We get into sin, so what happens? We don't witness to people. We don't tell people about stuff. What about our fellowship? Don't pray. Then you get into sin, what happens? Don't pray. You start doing everything in the flesh. Start making decisions in the flesh. And that's a good, easy way to make a wrong decision that's going to be a, have a ripple effect on everyone around you. Why? Because we stopped listening to God. And it's real easy for that to happen. So, so we have to be very careful with that. Point number two. God arranges, through conviction, salvation as a choice. 
In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, here's what he said. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Have you ever seen Pastor Micah's feet? Aren't feet an ugly thing? Aren't they? The whole thing of foot washing, I've done, and if you've done that, you know what I'm talking about. Foot washing is a cool, cool thing, experience with the church. But feet are just ugly, aren't they? I mean, they are just ugly, and they stink, and they're just ugly. And so, but notice what he said, how, how precious are the feet of those who carry the gospel. What is he talking about? He's not talking about feet. He's talking about the presence of that person, that that person made a choice that influenced people with the gospel. You're here this morning, you made a decision to come to church here, but let me ask you something. You, many of you are members here, but if you're visiting here, I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a temp, so if you don't like today, give next Sunday another, a try, okay? So I'm just here as a guest speaker. But if you're a member here, here's what it comes down to. You made a choice to be a member of this church. But guess what? You wouldn't even have had that choice if other choices had not been made prior to you arriving. I can remember Micah talking about feeling led to start a church in St. Louis and talking about that. I remember him talking to Mike Story, who's a, a, who's a fellow pastor and disciple maker. And Mike Story was talking to both boys who were talking about doing ministry. And he said, number one, ministry is messy. And he said, you have to have a soft heart and a tough hide. And so Micah had to come to a point where he made a choice he was going to start a church here in St. Louis. If he had not made that choice or if he had disobeyed God and not made that choice, you wouldn't have had an opportunity today to make the choice to even be here or to be a member of this startup. And so choices have a ripple effect on everyone else. So someone calling on the name of the Lord that we're talking about here is a very powerful thing. Why? God get convicts, and then what did you do at conviction? You prayed and asked Jesus to come to your heart and save you. Same thing I did. And then what does he do? He starts changing you. So someone decided to preach after the call of God. They made a choice. Someone decided to be a missionary after the call of God. They made a choice. And someone decided to start a church here in South County, and they made a choice. That choice influenced you. Moms and dads, your choices influence your kids. You already know this. They influence your kids. Good choices, bad choices. For an example, how many of you have ever bought something that is so stupid that you bought it that even dumb people would not have bought that? Does that make sense to anybody else? And you paid money, made your money for it. Maybe even paid payments on the silly thing. And you think, you look back and you think, that was just the most ridiculous purchase I could have made. Almost every family has done something like that. And of course, what happens? Over time, you get all that junk paid off, and all of a sudden you think, man, that will not happen again. And of course, what happens? You, now you've gotten wisdom about how to handle finances. How did you get the wisdom to handle the finances? Because you made a dumb decision some other place, didn't you? We all have done those things. So what happens with choice? God uses that choice a lot of times to be able to, to expand us. And so if Micah had not made the decision, you wouldn't have been here, you wouldn't have had that choice, you would have been at somebody else's hearing a good sermon this morning. Point number three, personal reputations are based on daily actions and choices. Let me give you a couple of components of this. You have a reputation. So the name we have is a result of our choices. The kind of choices we make give us a certain type of, of reputation. So before you got saved, you probably had one reputation. Hopefully, after you got saved, you had a different reputation. 
Why? Because you were hanging out with different people, you were hanging out and you acted different, you talked different, things about you were different. Now, we're talking about, obviously, it takes some time for people to grow into some of those things, but the point is, the name that we have, Proverbs 22, verse 1 and 2 says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor meet together, the Lord is the maker of them all. So what do you think people, what do you want people to say about you when you're not here, when you're not around? What do you want your family to say about you when you're gone? What do you want your family to say about you now? Because let me tell you something, your family's talking about you right now. They just stop when you come into the room, but they're talking about you. You know how families are. And so everybody's got their idea on something like that. But think about it. We want people to have this, have, we want to leave with this great reputation for people when, we, when God takes us home. Well, what choices are we making that's feeding that? A few months or some time ago, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and I, uh, I, I, we do project management training all over the country. And so that's, that's how we've made a living for 30 years. And so one of the things that we, uh, we're hooked into LinkedIn and Facebook and all these other things, like many of you are, well, Keith Mathis died on LinkedIn. And one of our clients read that and thought it was me and sent the sweetest email to our company for condolences. And all of a sudden, Kim, who's my daughter-in-law who works for us, gets on the phone and says, hey, we got a problem. People think you're dead. And I'm laughing like crazy. And so I read it, and it was such a sweet email. Oh, my goodness. I hope she says the same thing when I really do die. I mean, it was so awesome. And then when I read it, it said at the bottom, if I can do anything, just let me know. I told Kim, tell her to send us a ham. You know, I mean, just play it, you know. It was a nice ham. Uh, so and I said, tell her to send us a ham. But Kim had to contact her and say, you know, this was a different Keith Mathis. This guy's not dead. And so I had a lot of fun with that. But the point is, isn't that what we want? Somebody to say something nice about us when we die? Rather than, oh my goodness, I'm glad Mathis isn't around anymore. What a horrible person that was. Wouldn't that hurt you to think that that's the reputation you left behind? So when we look at this passage, personal reputations are based on daily actions. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. So what do you want people to say? A second part of this, the friends we have is a result of our choices. What are the friends like that you have? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, he, he speaks up in what does the Bible say? By faith, Moses, when he was growing up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses is an interesting character anyway, but think about this. Moses was slated to be the Pharaoh, wealthy. And he looked at all of that as not being something that he wanted. And so he turns his back on wealth and prestige and all these things. Why? So that he could be with the people of God, his people. What a powerful choice that would be. Many times we don't look at it from that aspect. We think, man, if it's more prestigious, I want it. More money? Oh, yeah. And so what happens is, is that Moses made those choices and wanted to be with certain people. Our reputation, the people we hang out with. You see, he refused, rejected the kingship. He renounced the sin associated with it. And he chose to suffer with God's people. Why? Because that was his people that he really wanted to be with, the right people. Do we want to hang out with the right people? I'm not talking about for ministry. Ministry, we want to be with lost people, absolutely. We want to reach lost people. But for fellowship and socialization as a Christian, we want to be with Christians is what we want to be. A third part of this, the dedication and service is also our choice. Joshua 24, we make a choice on whether we're going to serve God. Sometimes people come to church and it's like, all right, bless me. 
I always want something to hit me and, and let, that, let, let me serve Jesus. Well, God will do all that, but you get a choice in it. If you, if you don't want to preach and God's calling you to preach, guess what? You don't have to preach. And that's a miserable person. Years ago, I had a man, he was, he was in his latter 70s. And he came forward, and this is what he said. God called me to preach when I was 20 years old, and I refused because I wasn't going to make enough money for my family. And he said, I rejected it, and I've rejected it since I was 20 years old. He's in his 70s, and he called, was called to preach. And so he prayed and asked, asked the Lord to forgive him, said, I, I will submit myself wherever God will use me. He said, he probably won't use me at this age, but he said, I want to do it. And so we sent his name off to the association, let people know. Every Sunday he was preaching at some little church, some place, preaching and preaching and preaching. Now think about this. He was so ecstatic in his mid-70s. He had new life. Why? He was right with God. Think of the misery he went through from age 20 until he was 70 by not obeying God. That, but he made the choice, and God let him live with that choice. So the dedication of service is also our choice. We can choose whether we're going to serve or not serve. Joshua 24, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, man can choose. Now, God has his sovereignty. Don't mistake what I'm saying. And man can choose between are we going to serve God or are we going to serve man. We made a decision a few years ago with our little company that people knew we were Christians because we got Jesus into, into a secular seminar wherever we were. It was going to get in there some way. And so we made a decision a few years ago that we were going to make sure we had scripture in our newsletter and that we were going to be crystal clear a Christian company. And so we started putting that in. And, of course, our thought was, well, will we lose somebody? Now, we're dealing with a lot of lost people, but that's one of the best ministry fields I can think of because I can do a seminar and I will be talking to somebody who's going through a tough time with their family. Everybody in, is lost, and yet I'm praying with one of these guys who would never step foot in church who's asking for prayer for something and so we brought the ministry to them, and they picked up on it and wanted to talk. And so I can't think of any better way to, for ministry to happen than something like that. But the dedication and the service is our choice. Now, when we think about that reputation that we were talking about, think of some person that came to my mind was Billy Graham. Billy Graham left this world with one of the best reputations of any evangelist. Most evangelists get tarnished by something. But one of the things I thought was interesting in reading about Billy Graham is, do you know that Billy Graham would have somebody with him at all times? Do you know when he got ready to check into a hotel that that person went in and looked in through the hotel room to make sure, sure nobody was in that hotel room before Billy Graham went in? He took those extra steps. Why? Because he didn't want anything to tarnish his reputation. Do you know that Billy Graham was buried in a coffin made by inmates where he had preached at a, at a, at a prison and they made it his coffin and that's what he was buried in? He just wanted to be a gospel preacher that was that was. Uh, committed all the way to the end. What a powerful reputation. What a powerful reputation. Now, our fourth and last point today is going to be several components, as you can see on your outline. People are impacted by different kinds of bad decisions. So I want to give you real quick here six decisions that, and show you a Bible character, I think, committed that decision in a wrong way, okay? So quickly, number one, one of the, one of the, number one, uh, one of the bad choices would be impulsive decisions. We've all made these. Impulsive. These are choices made without considering the consequences or taking the time to think it through. And so what happens is, anybody who's an alcoholic probably committed this. Anybody who did drugs probably did this. Why? You did your drug, you did the alcohol, 
and before you know it, you didn't realize you were going to get addicted to it, or you didn't realize that you were going to be addicted to the, to the drugs or to the alcohol. And so you didn't think about the consequences, and that's what we do. We think there are no consequences, and yet there always are. So impulsive decisions, very impulsive. It could be out of anger. It could be out of excitement. Many of the people on, on, uh, on death row, do you know that they killed somebody, that they're, they're, they're one of the most God-fearing people, honest people, until they got mad and they killed somebody. And now they're on death row. And so what happens here is all of a sudden you realize that that one event, that anger event, caused that impulse to happen. So impulsive decision. Peter was that person. Don't you, when you read Peter, do you, do you identify with Peter at all? Think about it. They come to get Jesus, and they've just got through praying, they come to, come to arrest Jesus. What did Peter do? He yanks out his sword and does what? Cuts the guy's ear off. And Jesus gets onto him, and then Jesus heals the guy's ear. Now think about this. Heals the guy's ear. But can't you identify with Peter? Peter's walking on the water, and then all of a sudden he starts looking at everything and starts sinking. Now we will be very critical of Peter about this, but let me tell you something. Peter did walk on the water. Now he sunk. When was the last time you and I walked on water? Doesn't happen much, does it? Nobody else walked on water, did they? Peter had that. But wasn't he impulsive? That's why I like him. He was impulsive, but he wasn't always right with stuff. Second type of bad decision, self-destructive behavior. This person, this person can make decisions, can include actions, something's harmful to your physical, mental health, emotional health, uh, sexual, sexual abuse, sexual behavior, substance abuse, overeating. I didn't like that one either. Uh, so think about it. Who would be that person who's self-destructive? I thought about Samson. Think of somebody who had the most potential and yet messed it up so many times. Samson. Samson kept going back, and he kept going back and having problems. And God, kept, God would use him again, and he'd go back and have more problems. Think about it, self-destructive. And then finally he ends up killing himself there in the scripture, in that whole story there. What a, what a horrible situation in so many ways to look at that, to be that person who has a self-destructive behavior. Third one, poor financial decisions. People make bad decisions all the time on their finances. So it includes overspending, taking too much debt, failing to save for the future. The person that comes to my mind is not the person you may, might think of. It's the prodigal son. We look at the prodigal son as somebody who backslides and then comes back. We paint that picture. But think this thing through. Think what he actually did. He went to his father and said, I am so selfish, I want my inheritance before you die. And takes his inheritance and goes off and blows it all then comes back. And so when he comes back, guess what? The father's a perfect picture of Jesus. He loves him. He cares for him. He welcomes him back. I always think about the brother. As the brother, would you not be thinking, hey, what is going on? He, I've been here the whole time. This guy's been a jerk. He spent all his money, and now he's coming back, and we are eating a fatted calf over him? Wouldn't you want to say those things? Scripture doesn't say anything else about it, does it? But, that, but his dad painted the perfect picture of Jesus. So financial decisions. We've all had financial issues at some time, probably. The fourth is unethical behavior. Violent, social, professional norms, lying, cheating, stealing. Think about Jacob. What a horrible story where Jacob goes in, deceives his father into thinking that he's the older son, and receives a blessing. And that had a, such a powerful impact of multiple decisions because of that deception both on, on his family and also on the entire family because of that. Number five, failure to, make, to take responsibility. This can come from, uh, from avoiding accountability, 
blaming others, refusing to make amends or mistakes. Think of the person that comes to my mind is David. The Bible says David is a man after God's own heart. But yeah, but he was a mess up. God's blessed him in so many ways, but he messed it up in a lot of ways too. If you look at the situation between him and Bathsheba, do you realize he didn't just have an affair? That's what we talk about. He committed murder. He sent her husband to the front line and had the other, other army withdraw so he would be killed. He was a murderer, and he was someone who had had affair. And so then later on in Scripture, you see God blessing him. He gets right. He was a good example of what we do a lot of times. He gets right, backslides, gets right, backslides. We do that in a day, don't we? Young preacher comes in to talk to David and says, we've got a situation in the kingdom. A guy out here has one little old sheep, and his neighbor has taken that sheep. You remember the story? David got mad, didn't he? Why would somebody take that man's one and only sheep? And so David goes into a rage, and the next piece is, is just perfect, isn't it? What did the preacher say to David? Say it again. You're the man. Man, you talk about conviction. You are the man. Because the preacher wasn't talking about a sheep. He was talking about Bathsheba. And then you see David actually repent. And so as we look at that and we see David actually repent here, it was a failure to take responsibility. He was not willing to really be confronted by God. He was going through the motions. And we go through the motions sometimes, don't we? Man, how many times have we prayed over something and not really prayed? How many times have we... You know, and you'll see it sometimes in church. We'll ask somebody to pray, and, and so they do their church prayer. You ever get to see that? Oh, holy and gracious majesty, Father, Yahweh. And we start, you know, it's, it's something like we're doing something that, that's not even real, rather than just talking to God. And so we would get caught into those kind of things. But he wasn't willing to take responsibility, and he got caught on it. Number six, ignoring consequences. We see this a lot of times, even as young people, don't we? Disregarding the potential outcomes of a decision. Making choices without considering the short or long-term effects. The person in the Bible that you can see this with more than anybody else is Pharaoh. Moses warned Pharaoh, and Pharaoh made the wrong choice. He wouldn't let the children of Israel go. Moses would come back in and say, guess what? You're getting ready to get frogs. And he'd make another bad decision. Guess what? Here comes the lice. Bad decision. How many bad decisions can somebody make in a row? Well, you see it with Pharaoh. He did not think of the consequences that was there. Now, my point in saying this is that all of these decisions, we have made some of these. Maybe even all of them. But the point is, is that sometimes God in his mercy has worked that bad decision out. You look back and you think, gosh, God through his mercy has made this hole over here. But did I make bad decisions? Absolutely. Horrible decisions. And so the thing is, is that we have to be very careful. Could my life have been better or different, making better decisions? Absolutely. And we have to look at how we can do this. Now, think about a real-life situation. One of the stories that you've seen on the news recently, the guy's the head, head of production companies in, uh, uh, for movies. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody wants to meet him. Everybody wants to get close to him because they want to be a movie star. And all of a sudden, he, I mean, this guy is one of the main kingpins in all the movies that we have seen over the years. And all of a sudden, in the last two years, what have we seen? It starts coming out that this guy sexually abusing all of these stars in order to make them a star. And, ha and Harvey Weinstein is now serving time, three counts out of seven, for sexual abuse of these people. You see, he got away with it all those years. You think he, nobody knew about it during that time? Of course they did. But they couldn't catch him on it. And so now they caught him on it, and so now he's serving time for this. Why? Because there's going to come that point in time where sometimes God will turn around 
and allow your, your stuff that's hid to come out? What if that secret sin of yours or that secret sin of mine popped up on the screen with us out here beside it? Would that not shake, every, shake you up a little bit? Of course it would. The shame, the embarrassment. Now, I'm not talking to lost people this morning. This whole message is really for us as Christians. I saw, uh, I watch a, a show, maybe you watch it. It's not very Christian, so don't judge me when I tell you this example, okay? I watch a show called Young Sheldon. And Young Sheldon, if you've watched this, his mom is active in the Baptist church. His dad goes to church some, but is not saved. But young Sheldon has a brother named Georgie. And so Georgie, who's a teenager, gets a girl pregnant. And Georgie's mom, who is supposed to be the Christian, she's kind of hypocritical in a lot of ways, but she's supposed to be the Christian, is working at the church as the church secretary. When they bring it to the pastor, the pastor asks her to step down from being the church secretary. I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, we missed it. That is what happens, but we've missed it as a church if that's what happens. Georgie is lost. His girlfriend is lost. Think about it. Why would we ask the church secretary to step down when her, her lost son did something wrong? How are lost people going to act? They're going to act what? Lost. What, a, what a, a disservice in real life. And I believe that's true. I've seen it happen that way. Ministering to those people, ministering to those kids, ministering to them. Why? Guess what? You've got a new daddy who's coming on board. You can win to Jesus and change that family forever. You've got a girl who doesn't have much support, and she's going to be, be there as well. Win her to Christ. And guess what? You have won a family to Christ to be able to minister with them. They're, they're going to need all the stuff. All it would have taken was love and mercy for that moment. That's all it would take. But they fired him on a TV show. But I think that was probably pretty, pretty characteristic. I've, I've been in those churches. But they missed it. Lost people are going to act lost. Christians need to act like Christians. But lost people are going to act lost. Now let me close it out like this. How aware of you of the potential, potential consequences of your decisions? Maybe you've got a decision you're looking at right now, and you're struggling with it back and forth. What's the consequence of making that decision and making the wrong decision? What's the consequence that's going to be in your life or in the lives of others by making that wrong, wrong decision? Also, are there choices that you're tempted to make or, or, or which others would not be honor God, would not honor God, or it would hurt your reputation or it hurt others? You see, in making decisions is crucial for everything that we do for, as a Christian. And you think it's a small decision, it's not a big deal. Well, let me tell you something. As a Christian, I think it is a big deal because if it's going to influence other people, that could be a huge decision all the way through. We talk about it from a marriage standpoint, think about it for your children. What is God wanting to do with your kids? What's God wanting to do with your grandkids? He's wanting you to make some decisions that's going to impact them. Now, let me close with this story. Many of you, when you met me, you know that and prayed for us. I was just talking to one of the gentlemen out there. I cut, uh, I fell on the slip and slide, putting it up for our grandkids two years ago in, in July and ripped my quad tendons. And so we do a thing called Gramps Camp. <clears throat> I know your kids can't come. Uh, so we do a thing called Gramps Camp. So we get, we've got nine, we've got 13 grandkids, nine qualified for coming to this every summer. So I was putting up the 80-foot slip and slide, fell, ripped quad. So that means that I had to have surgery. Waiting for surgery, I fell in the house and ripped the second one. And so I couldn't walk. For, and so they had to operate and put me in traction. Of course, you guys were praying for this. So one of the things, I got ready to go in for surgery, and Wanda said, you need to be nice. Because sometimes we think that when we're sick, we don't have to be nice because we're hurting. And she said, you need to be nice. And it was during COVID. You had the COVID stuff happening. And 
And so I thought, okay, I can be nice. I, I can't control anything else, but I can be nice. And so those nurses, I was so sweet to them and thanking them and stuff. And so the nurses were awesome. My doctors were awesome. But because you have two legs cut like that, they had never seen this. And so they thought Wanda was abusing me. And so they started asking me, was I fearful at home? And I, I thought it was funny, but it wasn't funny. I mean, they were serious. And so I thought, wow, if you only knew her reputation, you would never even ask that. And that's what you're wanting to have is a reputation that overcomes any kind of question mark in our life. We want that type of reputation. But it doesn't happen overnight. It happens because somebody has laid that pattern and made right choices over and over again. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, so much that you give us the opportunity to make choices. But, Father, thank you also that we can follow you. And, Lord, even when we blow it, that you and your sovereignty and in your mercy, you turn things back around. Father, thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for all the things that you do and have done here. And, Father, I just pray for great blessings on this church. I pray, Lord, that you will just have used this to minister to someone who is sitting here this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.